As COVID-19 continues to ravage health systems across the world, we are still asking ourselves what are the risks for stroke patients that have contracted COVID-19. I'm Carmen Laird Jenkins, Managing Editor of the International Journal of Stroke, and I spoke to Dr. James Siegler from Cooper Neurologic Institute in Camden, New Jersey, in the USA, about their retrospective observational cohort of consecutive adults evaluated in the emergency department and or admitted with coronavirus disease 2019 across 31 hospitals in four countries. Of the 14,483 patients with laboratory-confirmed SARS-CoV-2, 172 were diagnosed with an acute cerebrovascular event recorded from the 1st of Feb until the 16th of June 2020. My name is Jim Sigler. I'm an assistant professor of neurology at Cooper University Hospital. We'll start off with the main question, Jim, and that is what is the risk of COVID on stroke patients? Early studies, as you know, out of Wuhan, China, suggested that the risk of stroke in patients who were hospitalized with COVID-19 could be as high as 2 to 5%. Now, since some papers have come out of New York and Europe and the U.S., we've seen that that risk is not as high, but that doesn't mean that the severity of the illness is not as, as low as uh, we might suspect. You know, we know the natural history of patients with stroke. We know the natural history of patients with covid but we don't have a good understanding of what happens when the two are combined. And so in this observational study across four countries, 17 healthcare centers, we we sought to evaluate those risk factors for COVID-associated stroke, what the mechanisms were at play, and how these patients did. So you've pulled some data apart. You've looked at female results. You've looked at male results, different age groups, et cetera. Can you give us a bit of a background? So uh, we included about 14,500 or so patients across the sites. Because of patient confidentiality issues, uh, we were able to bend the ages by decade, and it seems like the ages were pretty consistent with what we know about with acute stroke patients and in patients who are critically ill with COVID-19, so it's all pretty consistent. And we found a pretty significant uh, burden of comorbid vascular disease across the population at large. There has been data that suggests that patients with COVID-19-associated strokes may be younger or may be responsible for stroke in younger patients, particularly embolic strokes. But we saw by and large that most patients with COVID-19 and associated stroke were this typical age that we see um, who have strokes. And what's that age? Between 50 and 70 years of age. So maybe on the lower side, but pretty standard for what we see across the you know international population of stroke patients. And in the data that you analyzed, did you see more males or females? So the majority of patients were male, about 60% of all comers. The majority of all cerebrovascular events that we captured in this registry uh, were stroke events, ischemic strokes. Uh, a, a smaller minority were intracranial hemorrhage, about 28 patients of the 172 total with stroke events, cerebrovascular events. And then only three patients out of the entire 14,500 or so patients had venous sinus thrombosis. If we have a look at the in-hospital mortality rate, what are we looking at? So although we don't specify all the time to events and the time to mortality in this uh, brief paper that tries to summarize absolutely everything about COVID-19-associated stroke, we did see a strikingly high mortality. And as everyone is aware, the risk of dying in the hospital with critical illness and COVID-associated comorbidities, uh, that risk is between 10 and 20%. In patients who had ischemic stroke, that risk was closer to about 30%. And if you had COVID-19-associated intracranial hemorrhage, 
And that risk was even higher than that, 45%. If we then think about what the risk factors are potentially, do they change with COVID-19? So the the purpose of this registry, just to be clear, is that we sought to evaluate the incidence rate of these cerebrovascular events. Um, and because we were capturing data re- at a relatively rapid pace, not all sites contributed patient-level data for non-stroke COVID-19 patients. So that did not permit us to compare stroke versus non-stroke COVID-19 patients. Uh, some sites did submit that information, and uh, and that information is being analyzed separately and will be uh, reviewed in a different manuscript. But right now, we don't have enough data to say certain populations are at more risk of stroke uh, than others from this data set, although that has been explored in other studies that have been published. And so what does this information mean for patients and for treating patients in hospital? What, how does it change clinical practice? So it's important to know kind of what we're dealing with. And I don't know that it necessarily changes clinical practice. I think it makes us more aware and probably heightens our awareness of this vascular event, this neurological event in COVID-19 patients. And if anything, it tells us that, you know, the risk of stroke is lower than what we originally thought, but is higher than what we see in other viral illnesses like influenza. We know that compared to influenza, it's probably more seven, eight times higher risk of ischemic stroke than and patients who are hospitalized for influenza if the patient gets COVID-19. Um, but that doesn't mean that the disease is any less severe. And so it's important to just remain vigilant to image patients when necessary, uh, because we can treat these patients and with treatment, they're likely to benefit. I hope I wasn't too brief. I just, you know, it was a very straightforward kind of very cursory observational study. And, mm. you know, we were very excited to, to publish our data in the International Journal of Stroke. We look forward to these larger studies that will eventually kind of conglomerate this data, merge this data uh, to help us better understand the disease we're dealing with. Uh, A lot of unanswered questions still exist. How do we treat these patients? When do we prophylax these patients? A lot of sites I know will empirically anticoagulate patients uh, with elevated D-dimers or uh, suspected hypercoagulable state with COVID-19. We don't know if that's a benefit yet, but Given the the risk of stroke is not inconsequential, you know, over one percent risk of stroke is not a small number. Mm-hmm. Um, when you know millions of people are developing this disease, and you know hundreds of thousands are being hospitalized, I mean that's a large population of ischemic stroke patients that are being observed and monitored around the world. You know, we need to know better how to treat them. And so you're obviously on the front line of treating patients as well. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your experiences with COVID? Sure. Uh, very broad question, very, but very good question, Carmen. Um, on the front line, you know, one thing that I that I do want to emphasize that I've noticed more is uh, kind of a provider apathy. You know, we've become complacent in how we manage our patients. You know, we've seen COVID so much, it's literally saturated our ICUs and our hospital floors that we just become comfortable with it. And I don't want us to become comfortable. I want us to remain vigilant. I want us to remain aggressive to continue to be as careful as possible as we're interacting with patients and their families and with med students and residents and other providers to use personal protective equipment, decontaminate our cell phones and just be as safe as we can. But at the same time, you know, we're learning more and more that stroke, myocardial infarction, vascular events, these are true complications of this viral infection. And we just have to be on the lookout.
Yeah, absolutely. And so I imagine as well, when you say, you know, people are becoming a little less vigilant, that would also be about fatigue. Um, and to be on the front line of COVID, well, it's a, you know, this wave going across the world, it's incredible numbers. What does that mean for our healthcare workers? You know, I, I wonder about the mental health of healthcare workers as well that are dealing with this kind of fatigue. Yeah, from a personal perspective, I can say that, you know, I was very anxious early on in the pandemic, and I would hyperventilate and have sort of small panic attacks. And um, as I became more comfortable with the condition, I saw it more, I did become more complacent with it. But uh, I did feel more at ease that as I was using PP appropriately and taking all the appropriate precautions, the hospitals were implementing appropriate precautions for their personnel. Um, it felt like a safer environment. And it paradoxically and quickly shifted that I became more anxious going to the grocery store than going to the ICU because I didn't know how safe the contents in the grocery store were or if people were wearing appropriate precautions as they were delivering goods or stocking the shelves. But in the hospital, I know absolutely everything is as safe as it can possibly be. I'm wearing my personal protective equipment. We're still you know, wearing face shields, face masks, uh, gloves and gowns in these patients' rooms. And we can't even enter the hospital without appropriate eye and uh, mouth protection. And that's an incredibly important message too for people who are listening who are stroke patients or families with, you know, a, a family member with a suspected stroke because, as we know, admission numbers are dropping for stroke. Have you seen that? Did you have a look at that in your study as well, admission numbers? Not in this study, but uh, in a separate set of studies that we looked at, both at Cooper. Uh, we published our findings in the journal Stroke and Cerebrovascular Disease earlier in the spring, uh, looking at stroke rate. And we saw that the stroke rate fell by about 25% at our local center. We have since validated that within the Society of Vascular Interventional Neurology, through which this study that we're talking about was conducted. Mm. Uh, we found similar drops in uh, basically the incidence rate that we're observing because patients just aren't coming into the hospital with stroke symptoms. But anecdotally, I can tell you that we are still getting calls from them. We're seeing them later down the road that, oh yeah, you know, dad didn't come in because, you know, he didn't think that his hand weakness was so bad. And it seems to be that these milder stroke patients are the ones that are avoiding the hospital because they are worried. And those are the patients that are probably at more risk because those milder strokes, those high risk transient ischemic attacks, those carry a high risk of recurrent events, and those are the people that we can target with earlier treatment, aggressive treatment, and prevent the more disabling event that happens down the road. You've been listening to a podcast interview with Dr. James Siegler from Cooper Neurologic Institute from Camden, New Jersey in the USA on COVID-19 and stroke. If you enjoy our podcast series, please write a review as it helps others to find us. The International Journal of Stroke is the flagship publication of the World Stroke Organization. Please do consider becoming a member.